This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 15. The Werewolf of Javoudon. In the mid-18th century, Javoudon, A relatively remote county nestled in the south of France was made up of rolling forested hills and lush meadows. This idyllic landscape would become the backdrop for one of the most prolific killers in history. Some accounts put the death tolls as high as 300 men, women, and children. What was responsible for this continual carnage? A madman? Rumming packs of baneful beasts or a single malevolent monstrosity? the likes of which had never been known. It is here, on the outskirts of a small village, that a small group of exhausted dragoons have finally arrived at their destination. When yet another attack was reported, they were directed to break away from their group and investigate immediately. As they near the edge of the village, their lieutenant leaps from his horse and rushes into the town center, leaving the remainder of the group to stand guard over the only entry point. It wasn't long before the men began bristling at the idea of standing watch. While these veteran warriors were brilliant on the battlefield, motivation and order had been difficult to maintain among them in a time of peace. See, the newly appointed lieutenant was, in their eyes, nothing more than a green child, the son of a wealthy Parisian family. Nepotism was not something that the wearisome warriors wanted within their ranks. In an attempt to prevent discontent from quickly spreading through the ranks, the sergeant decides to leave two men behind and lead the rest into the center of town. They follow the scanty streets toward the town square, and when they arrive they are greeted by a small crowd that is formed around their lieutenant and two bodies lying beneath a large sheet in the center of the dirt courtyard. As the sergeant approaches, he sees the lieutenant kneeling there, his face a picture of horror, his boots covered in sick. It is then that the sergeant realizes that this is most likely the first corpse that the inexperienced lieutenant has ever been anywhere near. He moves to the side of his superior and offers him a drink from his canteen, kneeling next to him to assist in the inspection of the dead. He pulls the sheet back and quickly finds that the lieutenant's inexperience is not the cause for his reaction. The sergeant has spent years fighting in brutal campaigns in India. None of the horrors of the battlefield prepared him for the sickening sight before him. He throws the sheet back over the corpses and stands up. It's clear to him in that moment that they are not a wanted addition to this village. The looks on the faces of its residents are at best skeptical. Some hope looks of outright contempt. 
This was something that he had expected. The gap between city and country, rich and poor, had been growing in recent years. But the fact of the matter is that this village and its people now rely on these men for protection. When they received this assignment, it was made clear that whatever man brought an end to this cruel creature would be rewarded handsomely. Riches that none of them had ever known. At the sight of these shredded citizens, he begins to question whether any amount of gold would be worth the fate sure to befall any man facing this fearsome foe. Shaking off the fear, he stands and orders the dragoons to form a perimeter around the village. They needed to secure the area while awaiting a pack of bloodhounds that would arrive with the sun. In the event of a sighting, standing orders instructed them to draw the beast into the center of town, rather than attempting to take shots at it. Once it was trapped, they would line up and fire upon it in unison. The sergeant puts word out that they are in need of a priest. The poor souls lying in the center of town would require benediction before passing on. It was immediately evident to him that this would not be a short assignment. This saga began in the summer of 1764, a few hours after being left to tend her family's flock of sheep on the edge of the village in Lehubak. 14-year-old Jean Boulet was discovered dead. She was found surrounded by the sheep that she had been tasked with protecting. Her throat had been ripped out. The sheep, however, were left untouched. These brutal slayings continued. Witnesses described an enormous wolf-like being with glowing yellow eyes and a mouth filled with more needle-like teeth than seemed possible. The baleful beast appeared to have a taste for the faces and necks of its victims. It was said to give no warning on approach, appearing to simply appear out of thin air immediately before the attacks. As the death toll steadily climbed, any attempts made to seize or slay the beast were complete failures. It became clear that they were dealing with a beast that possessed far greater intelligence than they were accustomed to. Time after time, it avoided poisoned bait, destroyed traps, and successfully avoided groups of hunters meant to ambush it. Several survivors reported incredible details of their encounter. Those that managed to wound the creature said that the injuries healed before their eyes. Hunters reported bullets bouncing off of the beast without effect. This story quickly caught the attention of newspaper editors in Paris and Lyon. At the time, they were doing anything they could to avoid reporting on the dismal state of French politics, and this story served as a perfect distraction. Of course, it wasn't long before this coverage made its way to Louis XV's court. There was a specific story that caught the attention of the king. The story of a ten-year-old farm boy named Jacques Portefeuille. Jacques and a group of young friends were working to herd a group of cattle through a field when the beastly behemoth pushed through a nearby tree line. As in previous accounts, the beast ignored the cattle completely and shot straight toward the prepared progeny. They quickly formed a line and fought off the foul fiend with only wooden pikes. Three of the boys, including Jacques himself, were severely injured. The king was so impressed by their bravery that he rewarded them with a free education in Paris, and it wasn't long before he began sending detachments of dragoons into the countryside with a single mission, slay the beast. Heading up this group of cavalry was Captain Jean-Baptiste Duhamel. 
He saw this assignment as a possible road to redemption after a long line of military failures in recent years. Since his numbers were very few, his plan was to recruit massive amounts of local villagers. He sent them in droves through the countryside, hoping to corral the monster into a tighter location where his dragoons could more effectively snuff it out. One of his strangest plans was to have male villagers wearing dresses and makeup set up as decoys. The creature was known to primarily attack women and children. While these plans were half-cocked at best, the real issue was the indifference and even opposition that he faced from the local citizens. While the beast was obviously a concern, they had very little interest in helping this high-class Parisian officer reclaim his glory. And while Duhamel attempted to arrange these preparations, one of the most widely known encounters occurred on the River Diches. 19-year-old Marie-Jean Vallée was crossing the river with her younger sister when the canine colossus attacked. Armed with only a knife tied to the end of a wooden pole, she lunged forward, impaling the creature through its chest. It cried out, falling the few feet from the bridge, and thrashed about in the water with the spear still stuck straight through its body. Making its way slowly to the river's edge and toward the nearby tree line, it appeared to be shrinking as it escaped. This encounter earned Marie the nickname, Maid of Javoudan. It soon became apparent to the king that Duhamel's methods were not making any progress. In place of his dragoons, the king sent a father and son team of hunters, named Deanval. Their approach to the situation was vastly different than that of their military counterparts. They believed the bulky brute to be some variation on a typical wolf. They used bloodhounds to survey the countryside and lined the trails with blinds to lie in wait for the creature to cross their paths. They followed their plans meticulously for four months, while the bodies piled up all over France's southern counties. The king was furious. At his wit's end, he ordered his personal bodyguard to travel immediately to the area and finally put an end to this terrible situation. This bodyguard, Francois Antoine, was renowned all over France for being the most accurate marksman in a generation. He arrived at La Mazieu in the summer of 1765. It would only be three months before Antoine would send word to the king. A single line of text arrived in November of 1765. It stated simply, Le bête est mort. The beast is dead. On September 20th, the sun had not yet risen. By the light of the early morning moon, Antoine and a small support group that he had assembled spotted two wolves and their cubs just east of the Abbe des Chaises. According to their account, both adult wolves were absolutely massive for their species. In particular, the male of the pair, who stood nearly five feet to the shoulder. Antoine immediately took the shot on the male and dropped it where it stood. He would later have it stuffed and shipped back to Louis XV. When the king's court received the animal, it was examined immediately. It was found to possess a double set of dew claws. This led to theories that the creature was a last remaining specimen from an ancient form of wolf thought to be long extinct. The group immediately began a pursuit for the remainder of the pack, killing its mate and two of its offspring. In late November, Antoine returned to Paris and received amazing fanfare. King Louis XV rewarded him with gold and an estate north of Paris. 
he declared for all the country to hear that the marauding monster's insatiable appetite would no longer plague the citizens of Javadon. In response to this declaration, all of France rejoiced. All that is, except for the citizens of Javadon. They continued to lose women and children on a regular basis. They continued to find their bodies with their throats and faces ripped apart. Despite Louis XV's declaration of success, the people of Javudan knew that the beast lived. This mayhem continued for another year and a half. The people pled with the king's court to send more help, only to be told that the beast was dead. They would be expected to resolve whatever this new issue was. Once they realized that they were truly on their own, the region's people finally came together in a concerted effort to rid themselves of this deadly deviation. A local leader, Marquis de Apache, took control of the situation. He organized those with knowledge of the forests and appropriate skill sets into small groups. These groups were mostly made up of former military men, hunters, and criminals. In fact, it was a petty thief and grifter who had been set free in order to assist that supposedly destroyed the real beast. It was June 19th of 1767, when one of these hunting parties were ambushed by an enormous canine beast near a minor peak of Montmouchet. One of this group's members was this local criminal, Jean Chantel. While he had a long history of small-time crime, when released, he had been serving a sentence delivered by Captain Duhamel two years earlier. He had refused to help with Duhamel's clumsy attempt at slaying the beast. It was Chantel's belief that the beast of Javudan was more mystical than physical. He believed it to be the true form of a mythical monster known very well by all the French people, a werewolf. Because of this belief, Chantel carried a gun loaded with a high-powered round tipped in silver. As the maniacal monstrosity charged toward the group, Chantel held his ground. He fired the silver slug into its chest. It reared back in response and let out an otherworldly howl before crumpling onto the ground against a gnarled tree, now a lifeless form in the nighttime haze. The group apprehensively approached the expired enormity. After confirming its death, it was immediately carried back to the Chateau d'Apache. They cut open its stomach and found the remains of at least six separate human beings. After this amateur post-mortem, it was stuffed and displayed at the castle. For months, doctors and scholars traveled from all over France to examine the monster. No consensus was ever reached about the nature of the beast. The only fact confirmed by guest after guest was that it was anything but a large wolf. Will we ever know the true nature of this monstrosity that terrorized the French countryside, killing nearly 300 men, women, and children over the course of three truly horrific years? Was this the alpha of a particularly violent and aggressive pack of wolves? Was it an agent of Satan sent to earth in order to attack the peaceful and God-fearing people of southern France? Or was this a real-world example of lycanthropy? Many theories were proposed over the years since it was finally conquered, but none could be confirmed, and none completely explained the horror that was the Beast of Jevoudan. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. 
And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. First of all, that's gnarly as fuck. Right? Yeah, it's awesome, though. So, uh, just just out of curiosity, and I was trying to go back through my notes as, as we were quickly going through this. Uh, so, they had first... So, in eight, we were in the 18th century, so roughly, I believe you said the summer of 1764? Yep. Um, that's when it started. Right. So, where did this this wolf this beast that was later identified as as basically a wolf or most likely a werewolf uh when sure. when was it first found other than uh when the uh, the new lieutenant was at the town square and they ended up finding the, the dead body or the dead bodies there i mean did anything happen before that like do we know essentially like where it possibly came from or like or was that just the first time that they had any issues and then all of a sudden all this shit started happening. Well, <clears throat> the first, the first account was the girl who was tending the sheep, right? She was the first victim, at least that, that is considered a victim of, okay. of this beast. Yeah. Okay. So that would have been the first one. All right. Yep. And that was in 1764. Okay. And then yep. basically making its way into this town, essentially, right? Yeah, it was like Jevedon is a is an entire county, but in the 1700s, it was it, there was basically one town. Okay, and that most makes of sense. it was rural or like slightly like slightly developed farmland. Right. I mean, think of think yeah. of the you know of that time period. I'm sure it was. You know, little to nothing. You know, outside of maybe some some buildings around just a just a, a small village, right? Right. Um, Imagine like the little town that like that Belle lives in in Beauty and the Beast, right? That's basically a a French village from the same time period. Right. Okay. Okay. And you said roughly, basically in total, there was roughly three hundred men, women, and children that yeah. were killed. Yes. By this possible or group, possibly, of uh, of these werewolves. Sure. <laughs> we can just straight up call them werewolves. I mean, it might as That's well fine. at that point, right? Yeah. Everything that it it talks about, I know you, you mentioned the possibility of it being an alpha or, you know, something sent from from hell or you know whatever else or yeah an actual lycanthrope right but you know it's uh yeah i mean 18th century france was i mean these were like extremely religious god-fearing people of course right yeah so like there was there was a big feeling among the people that this was essentially a demon sent from hell to torture them because it it was just happening over and over and over again to this you know the same population of people and they didn't especially when reports started coming back of like the glowing eyes I, that's what i was just about to get into and, right it like it seems like they have like bullet bulletproof you know skin and it, especially the glowing eyes like the yeah. glowing bright yellow eyes basically i think is is one i mean that's obviously not it's it's not specifically um you know a trait of an of an animal or of a wolf you know obviously depending right. on the way that the moon bounces off that could create a lot of different things you know and right. it could it, it could create a, the effect of glowing eyes i mean especially 
think of this time period, I'm sure, you know, obviously, um, you know, I'm sure everything was, uh, you know, I'm sure they had lots of fires, lots of, you know, different yep, things like that light. within the city, the city, right. That would, that would provide lighting and everything. So it is pretty easy to have some form of reflection that could create that glow too. Um, I mean, but, unless you're out in the middle of nowhere. When I mean, you unless you're out in the middle it, of you know nowhere, I mean? then, you know, it could either be the moon, but if the moon's not quite, uh, you know, say it's a very cloudy night, um, sure. you know, it's not going to create that much lighting and things like that. So, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give you that for sure. Um, but I think most notable there is, like you said, you know, the bullets bouncing off of its skin. Yeah. And so... See, now we ha- we also have to keep in mind that this story is like 250 years old. I'm right. I'm right. So, that makes sense. Like, um, the death toll is an estimate. You know, some people place it at like 120 deaths. Some people place it as high as 300. Obviously, for drama, I went with the the high. 300 is gonna right. Estimate. It's gonna be the higher number. Right. It just adds that much more emphasis on it, and yeah, sure, kind of sets the tone a bit. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So basically, I mean, you know, we have we have this this big. Uh, werewolf essentially you know, this big massive wolf that's larger than you know any type of normal wolf that we would ex- expect bullets bouncing off of its skin being able to dodge traps and dodge the hunters that are attacking it um, yeah, that human you know, intelligence injuries that would heal on their own another big yeah. one you know that's yep. that's a pretty much dead giveaway um you know so i mean at that point it's it's easy to basically chalk it up to being you know almost otherworldly um but it's definitely not going to be your average wolf for sure yeah not even an not. alpha at that point i mean an alpha yeah, is going to be a certainly lot bigger doesn't sound like it but yeah. you know it's uh definitely not going to be your average wolf for sure it would take it would take a lot of assumptions that you know that first-hand accounts were exaggerated or outright fabricated in order to say that this was just a wolf Right, and I'm sure a lot of the accounts were overly exaggerated. Sure, I'm sure. With the time period, like you said, God-fearing people, uh, you know, this is going to be out of the ordinary from what they're used to. You know, it's everything is going to be embellished to a very high degree for sure. Um, you know, but uh, so I guess another thing I, I wanted to quickly question uh, now that I'm I'm thinking about it. Uh, so you had you had mentioned. Obviously, that this beast, this werewolf, werewolf, would ignore any type of livestock, any type of other animals, would always go after humans specifically. Yes. Um, and then, so in order to kind of dis- create a distraction or whatever of some sort, as decoys, the the I guess the men <laughs> dressed uh, dressed in like dresses and things. So, <laughs> yeah, that you, was one of. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? The- Okay, so the vast majority of the victims were women and children. So one of this, like, this fucking knucklehead, Captain Duhamel, that they sent out there who was completely ineffective, right. one, of his, one of his plans were to convince, like, local townspeople, men, to dress up as women, to serve as, like, decoys. And see if they would go after out. them. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And for the most part, they said, nah, pass. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you know? I, yeah, obviously. 
I wouldn't yeah. want to. I wouldn't be. You know, obviously, you don't want to be sent out as a decoy in the first place. You know, you don't I mean, all your wolf bait. No, I. I don't think I would. Um, yeah. Ask me tomorrow, I guess. But you know, I think the idea was that like sending a man dressed as a woman out there that the man would be more prepared or more effective against the wolf or just trying to prove that it literally did specifically target more so women and children right right but in actuality a large percentage of the victims were also men who were alone at the time okay right so like it 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 attacked the way a predator attacks right it if a gazelle strays from the pack and is alone it's that's the find one the lions are the going most after vulnerable right exactly uh-huh yeah so um, standard predatory behavior now you would say that there was the the girl that impaled the wolf with the spear and then yes. after doing so it started to uh basically took it down and then the wolf started to shrink uh i, I assume shrink in size maybe be, maybe yeah. coming back to a human state uh, more of a natural human state possibly or did it see, just become a, a baby a baby wolf <laughs> see that's that's exactly what i what i was thinking right when i when i read that account that account's pretty crazy it's mm-hmm. uh marie jean valet is the yeah the i didn't have the name i was trying right? to get it down and but with these french names it's very hard to i know <laughs> hard to remember those you for doing sure. Doing Russian last week and French this week. I know, it's, dude. Yeah, for sure. That's not that's not my strong suit. I took like four years of French in high school, and these are so, these are still so hard for me. I hear that for like, sure. It's not good. Um, but yeah, she she stabbed it, and okay. So the way the the account is worded is it literally says as the wolf moved away, it got smaller. Which okay. like I wanna I wanna think like oh it's a werewolf shrieking down to a person but literally everything that moves away from you gets becomes smaller. smaller right as it descends <laughs> yeah. into the horizon you know like <laughs> you yeah. are going to that's that's to be expected but I would like to think you know that when she did impale him like she she got you know she got down like literally got to like it's it's kind of weakest point causing right. it she hit to, the power source exactly. You know, yeah. causing it to start to slowly dwindle from this massive, you know, massive beast into, you know, most likely a human. Yeah. Um, you know, if we are dealing with real werewolves, that especially, ex- you know, kind of explaining that it did slowly become smaller. But <laughs> with that slight little, you know, the, I guess, caveat or the, uh, you know, that little small detail. As it you know got further away, it became smaller. Yeah, not exactly remarkable. No, I, I guess I guess you're right, but that that was notable to me. Odd, but it's just an odd detail to add if that's sure. not what she meant. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's, right. Yeah, I I like to think it's shrinking back down to a into a person, and that this is legitimately a werewolf because werewolves are badass and i, I really mean obviously to be a werewolf. yeah i <laughs> I've, I've always liked the idea of of it being cool to be a werewolf like you yeah. know just having crazy strength or even not even being full wolf you know just having like some abilities that you know that i can just take away to be this cool badass 
Exactly. Um, so at, at one point, two wolves, uh, what was it, two, a male and a female wolf, and then what was it, two cubs Yeah, were found? Yep. Um, and then they ended up killing the male of the of the group. Yeah, they killed the male first. And, and which one? They, the, I guess which one was it that you said had a double set of dew claws? It was that one. The male. Okay, I was yeah. just making sure. And you said that basically that particular wolf was a, was said to be kind of part of almost like an extinct uh, pack. Yeah, they they theorized at least that this second set of dew claws is what like they used that to th- as evidence that it was actually like a last sort of a last remaining species of like an ancient an ancient version of the wolf that they thought that they previously thought had been extinct. So when we're talking about like a double set of dew claws, like are we talking like on each side so it's kind of uh i'm trying to and i'm trying to show you what i what i'm talking about but like like a like so a crab think of hand? a paw right so think of a paw and you have you have like one duclaw on the side right sure. and then so the complete opposite side did it have another one so it's like it can almost grip with those two oh. along with the others others in the middle interesting like opposable thumb almost right exactly but like essentially think- two of them I think it's the way like cats have have it sometimes where they get like but it's like a deformity, right? Right. Where they have for like sure. two thumb two thumbs, dew claws, two of them stacked up yeah. next to that, each other. That that I've seen for sure. Yeah. I, so I was trying to I was trying to kind of kind of envision that or picture it. Like I didn't know if it would be more like that or if it would be more on the other side that was maybe like an a, you know like an adapted thing. Uh right. you know, where it allowed them to but I guess be able to, to attack their prey, maybe that much easier. Right. Maybe it allowed them like, to climb, uh, you know, like some cool shit that they could I mean, yeah. essentially do with it. Right. With an opposed with, with that, they could, you know, shoot guns, pick up candlesticks. <laughs> they could do all kinds of shit. If they had that extra play piano, you know, play piano. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe, you know, start their own bakeries. <laughs> 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 the dream of every werewolf. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> they're taking out all these people because they're trying to be, you know, they don't want any competition in town. Obviously. Yeah, fair enough. So at one point, they, they got the message, you know, the beast is dead, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, so at that point, everyone, every you know, everyone suggested kind of to go about their business, you know. Ding dong, yeah. which is dead sort of thing. Um, while everyone's yeah. still dying exactly so we still have all this shit that's still going on um you know but uh so they they formed the group uh you said where uh marky some something or other was uh was in charge yeah. i want to call him marky mark and that's how i remember that's how i reminded myself <laughs> <laughs> you mean the group of citizens yes that, that finally came together yeah, yep. that was. and that's where they had like the prisoners and everything that were part of the 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 hunt and everything yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, that was led by Marquis de Apache. We'll call him Marky Mark for the sake of it being easier. All right, Marky, Marky Mark, Mark, the Frenchman. The group. True. <laughs> so you have this group of like oddball, you know, this and that uh, prisoners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think prisoners probably being the best use in this possible case. 
because sure. if they you know if they die or if they get you know killed in the line of you know whatever yeah i mean they're already prisoners right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't mean that to, i don't i don't mean that as Okay, I guess maybe I should obviously not that. by modern standards, <laughs> not but. by modern standards. But at that time, sure. obviously, that's the best type of like ragtag team that you could build. Right, that's why they used them. Right, the, these guys they were they're, sort of they're like not going to give a fuck. Cannon fodder, right. exactly for sure. Um, you know, and so, and I think that's probably they're going to be more. Uh, you know, at least to me, I would expect these guys to be more like more badass and ready to deal with shit than your local like townsfolk sure definitely. so and that's what i was trying to get at i wasn't trying to mean I, that they're, I understand. they're like <laughs> so unremarkable that you know <laughs> <laughs> no they made small mistakes so they're expendable <laughs> right no no but yeah the group that's, was yeah i was just was, saying they're gonna be they're gonna be beefier they're gonna be more badass sure. you know yeah, more more used to you know combat and and they're also gonna give it their all because sure. they're getting the opportunity, you know. So right. and that's that's where a lot of that kind of comes in. Um, but yeah, so getting back to this group, we have this group, uh, this ragtag team that we've built of of our prisoners and anybody else that's a part of it. All right, um, ex-military. Right, exactly. Yeah. So at that point. We get the silver slug that was shot at the beast. Yep. Silver bullets. Yep. We know. You know, silver, silver bullets. bullets are one of the prime, prime types of ammunition that are said to be able to kill a werewolf. Yeah. In this case, we have the silvered slug that was shot at it at that point, quote unquote, killing it. And so yes. now. I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture here. So we have this this massive beast werewolf killed. Do they just say, let's open them up and see what's inside? Yes. That's basically wanted, what happens at yeah, that point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They wanted evidence. I mean, think of like when they, when they, you know, catch a shark that's supposedly, you know, responsible for a shark attack, right? They cut it. Yeah, open I mean, to check. you're always going to, ch- right. you know, it, it, it's expected, but I mean, so do they just like they kill it and they're just like, all right, who wants to get in? And they just <laughs> cut them open, or do they like take them back to shop, like make this yeah, like you know turn off the lights or dim the lights, set up some candle, <laughs> you know, like some, whatever. Like, are do we, you know, how how <laughs> how is this scene specifically set? Uh, okay, so <clears throat> so Jean Chantel. Who was, by the way, in prison because he refused to help the idiot captain from before. Right, the that's one that he was, he was saying was like the green baby or whatever. No, the one no, that that's the was lieutenant. dressing Sorry, men up as women. Lieutenant. Yeah, I, that, there we go. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so he threw him in jail for not wanting to help. So he, you know, they get rushed by the werewolf. And he fires the silver slug into his chest. Kills him. They carry the beast after they check and make sure he's dead, of course. I imagine that was a nervous moment. I'm, yeah. I mean, I wonder <laughs> at that point if they like tried to tie him down, maybe tied his mouth shut just for like safety precautions. Or if maybe. they were like knocked on his head, seems dead, let's go. Like, right. <laughs> like people who hunt alligators, they like tape up the mouth just in case yeah, they exactly. pop back to life. 
Yeah. I mean, I would. I would do that shit. I would fucking like tie his hands behind its back, break its arms and stuff. <laughs> like whatever I have to do to make sure that this guy is not going anywhere. Cut off his feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like cut slick slits in the back of its knees. Like whatever you got to do. Whatever you need. Exactly. So after they check to make sure it's dead, they carry it back to Chateau de Apache, which was. De Apache. Yeah. Which. I don't really know what that is. I imagine it's a location in the town. I, I imagine or, that is a probably a well-known uh, housing area. Right. Like a boarding house, maybe? Maybe. Something like that. Something that'd be bigger than your standard, just, you know, small, like, house. living house. Right. Right. Okay. So they take it back there. They string it up. They gut it. They check the contents of the stomach. And they find the remains of at least six human beings in its stomach. So what I want to know is what they specifically found to determine <laughs> this. Was it like the- so-and-so's head, so-and-so's arm, like brother, brother Ned, right. Ned's like leg. And then like they found you know, 12 hands, They're sister like, Teresa's left foot. Like, right. Well, it <laughs> mostly, it mostly from what I read, it mostly ate faces and throats. So I'm not sure how that even gets identified, but huh? I, maybe they like pull it out and it's like full like a full like face <laughs> mask of of sorts. They like they so, kind of string it up, dry it up. Oh, this is uh, Mother Mary Margaret. Uh, that that's Betty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the full face, like it's the full John Travolta face <laughs> yeah, from Face Off. Yep, just like Nick Cage, John lifted. Travolta. Just yeah, exactly. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'm into that idea. <laughs> Imagine how big a mouth would have to be to eat a face in one piece. <laughs> well, I mean, you think of it, and, and most werewolf, like especially werewolf movies, like their sure. mouths can literally, like, just you know, like basically engulf or suck in a, a head, like almost a full sized head. You right, know, with how. How much they can like dislocate their their jaws to be able to like and and I mean I can think that with a lot of animals a lot of animals can do the same thing yeah yeah um, you know sure. just like just like snakes specifically you know it, you know now we're getting into reptiles but you know just kind of that same <laughs> that same similar type of thing yeah, like, yeah almost almost dislocating their entire you know their entire jaw their entire face to be able to like eat you know a large whatever. Yeah, uh, you know whatever it is at that point, being able to eat it whole. So, like, I'm, I'm really frustrated because there isn't a detailed physical description of the actual beast of what it right? actually looks like, so, other than its yes. glowing yellow eyes and wolf-like features, right. essentially. No, but the one they killed and stuffed, and it was examined for a decade by people who came to see it, and no one. I could not find a, a detailed physical description no of what that it actually looked like. Said, right, which right. So all I got was that it was that it made the the initial. Okay, so you know the guy who came in and killed the wolf and the partner and the cubs. Right, the guy that King sent. That wolf was said to stand five feet to the shoulder. So that means when it was on all fours. Big ass fucking wolf. Jesus. It's an enormous wolf. Now, the only description I got of the actual, what we're calling the actual beast, right? The one that was taken down with the silver slug was that it made that wolf 
that uh, that five foot wolf look like a pup. So what is this guy like? The size of a fucking like bus? I don't know, man. Bigger than that, I guess. How, that see that at that point, I think like we're embellishing tremendously because yeah. even if it is a man that has you know changed into a wolf that has like whatever. You transitioned into a wolf. I would think it would be the extent this, or you know, the extent of its size would be that of a man. Yo, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's easy to think that because of all the pop culture we've been exposed to, and it's right, of you know, course, it's easier. Maybe that's for, what I'm kind of, ref- I'm, yeah. I'm like, you know, basing it off of. But that's what I would feel would be most right. possible, I guess. But, but honestly, if werewolves are real, what the fuck are the rules? We don't I guess know the there rules. aren't any, right? Right. At that point, like, we, who's we to literally say they, don't know. <laughs> who's to say they don't go full Incredible Hulk and end up these like thirteen foot giant fucking wolf beasts? Right. It could, could be anything. I mean, we could, could be. We could have real. like King Kong sized werewolves. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's the really next scary. Godzilla movie is going to be Godzilla versus the werewolf. Um, but regardless, yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it, it or, well, like you said, it, it's hard to know for sure the exact size. And, and in this case with no physical description, you know, like at least detailed description, right? Which I find that extremely kind of off putting that there wasn't one Too, It kind of like, odd. it kind of like brings the story down a little bit or kind of. You know, at least like at least the details and everything that were recounted. All of, we have all of this that's in detail, but yet there's no detailed like description of the wolf. Like no way to actually like state what he looks like. It, is is this a hoax? Is it right. just all bullshit? Is it some crazy madman? Some like Harry Mountain Man that's out in the loose? You know, like right at that point, yeah, it it kind of just like. You know, just yeah, just kind of takes away from everything else that that the story is kind of spoken of, right? I mean, yeah, you're right because the fact that it was examined supposedly by doctors and scholars for like for a long time, it was a long time. It was supposedly examined by you know people traveled from all over to examine it, and none of them thought to write down a description of what they saw and examined. At least none of, none of them that not, nothing that survived to 2021 for me to read on the internet, especially like doctors and scholars more specifically, yeah. I guess like there would be some type of like in some college university or something, you know, bits of information that would be out there that would have something like, and that's what that's like I said, that's what's kind of like, I don't know, kind of dumbs it down for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Makes it's a it weird just thing. Slightly less believable and more like a, you know, maybe it was just a, something else. Like I said, maybe it was just some rabid mountain man. Or just a really fucking big wolf. Or a, a big wolf, right. I don't know. And I, maybe like those think, that- I like to think it was a werewolf. I want it to be a werewolf. I would like werewolves to be a thing that at least used to exist. I mean, yeah, I love that. I, I think, you know, I, I think on the the slight chance of that being a possibility, 
I think it's one that I would prefer. It's one that I would like sure. because, you know, I, I would love the idea of werewolves to be real. Even yeah. if it's not a current modern day thing, like you said, maybe at one point, you know, in, like in history, that these things did occur and they were a normal thing. Or, you know, maybe they, they weren't as normal. Maybe they were kind of like hidden or something, you know, hidden away until... You know, different incidents came about. This being one of those possible incidents, right? Um, you know, so, but I, I just think like even even if you catch one, there there has to be some type of something that would at least describe like a little yeah, bit some- more in depth as to what it looked like, other than slight recounts of you know before and after a. You know, after like the, a death or something, you know, after sure. something had occurred, um, at least to me. But yeah, I mean, some documentation would be nice. I mean, come on, I think 18th that's century French for sure scholars. Here. Yeah, some documentation, please. But on, I mean, what do you what do you think? Let's. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm ready to get into some werewolf history and and talk movies so let's make some determinations here honestly like i said i want it to be a werewolf right that's something that we've not discussed it's something i i love you know i i love the idea of it it's it's very more like modern monstery monstery um you know it's not it's not just your everyday like you know alien ufo cryptid case stuff like that right you know this is these have been overly like overly kind of displayed in media, all kinds of movies, TV shows, you know, books, stories, everything about the, you know, about werewolves. So it would make sense for it to be a thing of at least of history. Right. You know, I, I would like to think that maybe they still exist to this day and maybe it's a very like kind of rare thing or, it's you know again like I like I had said you know they're kind of tucked away and maybe these these old mountains are you know the kind of like dense forest area areas and stuff that only right. come out ever so often and that's why we don't really hear anything about it, um other than media's portrayal of them, sure um and maybe maybe that's my problem as well is media's portrayal on werewolves maybe that's not what they were you know maybe they yeah. were they were different and like you said maybe they you know we only have what we what we've seen um and what you know was what has kind of been thrown at us as like what we can perceive them to be sure yeah but yeah i would i would like this to be you know a very you know possible case for sure um yeah. but I, I i keep i keep going back and forth i'm on the fence for sure yeah, I'm definitely on the fence. I would love for it to be a werewolf, obviously. Werewolves being real would be awesome. I don't want one moving into my neighborhood, but I really right. I really like them being real. Um, I think we're pretty safe kind of where we are. I would think that maybe they're going to be in like more of your like uh, you know, upper uh, you know, upper like northwest area, you know, that's a lot more like forest, the dense forest, you know, sure. things like that. Northern yeah, Canada maybe. Right, it's things like that. I would think maybe that's kind of ideal area for them, and maybe that's why they're not so well known. Um, you know, I, I guess realistically, um, if they are real, you know, I'm going on that. If sure. if they are, like you know, uh, but yeah, like I said, I want it to be, and that's where I want to sway. But uh, 
there's still parts of it that at least parts of the story that just don't add up. Um, That's and I for think, sure. You know, specifically any type of detailed descriptions or anything would have they would have had to have been part of at least a, a paper or something, some type of investigation or something that was done. You know, and for that to not be a thing, just it, yeah, it just it almost makes it just un, not believable. Yeah, it's odd. It's definitely odd. That definitely calls into question. For me, it calls into question the entire story. Right. The integrity of everything. Like, yeah, yeah. just. But, you know, I'm, right, I'm so, just going to, as a stretch, I'm, I'm just going to hope that it's real. All right. So, apparently, we agree. We both really, really hope it was a werewolf, but we really have hope no idea. It's the strong. Right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So. Let's let's uh, get into some werewolf, uh, uh, some history. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. apparently the the first where the first accounts of werewolves go all the way back to to Greek mythology. Oh, really? Okay. okay. Yeah. So, according to Greek legend, a man named Lycione angered Zeus and okay. he angered him by serving him a meal made from human flesh. Okay. <laughs> and as punishment, right. as punishment, Zeus turned him into a wolf. Right. So that was the, that was the very first. And it, actually the legend, there's a super cool quote from it. Um, it, it's the first one to actually describe transformation. Right. Okay. So, the quote is, he tried to speak, but his voice broke into an echoing howl. His ravening soul infected his jaws. His murderous longings were turned on the cattle. He still was possessed by bloodlust. His garments were changed to a shaggy coat and his arms into legs. He was now transformed into a wolf. Okay, so my question with that, was it a one-time thing like they it, as as his punishment he just turned him into a wolf and that that's what he remained as forever or did it happen on the every full moon you shall become this thing and endure no, no, no. this pain of you know whatever no the the stories this old don't have the full moon or the silver bullets or anything, anything like, that. like that okay yeah yeah it's just this is like the very basis right so and i was thinking of like where these myths come from because you're right in pointing out that that werewolves are different than like cryptids that we cover because they're so prolific. They're right. they're werewolf myths all over the world and they've been around forever and they're super popular. And like there's always been in fact I think it's actually been scientifically scientifically studied the psychological changes that happen to people during a full moon. Yeah, right like their propensity for like unruly behavior basically right yeah and and it kind of brings out like that just kind of weird side or can cause a shift in you know behavioral change right yeah so i'm thinking maybe that paired with the fact that wolves were a menace to human beings for centuries like so bad that we nearly wiped them out that's how like how much of a nuisance wolves were to human beings yeah like so maybe it's maybe that's where the myths come from, 
right? Is that just the idea that people get crazy during a full moon paired with the fact that wolves are like, they were like the adversary for humans for a long time. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible for sure. I know, I mean, you know, and, and kind of getting back. And so, you know, this, this particular case, this kind of Greek mythology case where Zeus had turned this like Lycan or King Lycan, whatever his name was, into the wolf. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was just kind of looking that up as you were going through it just to, you know, just to kind of see if there was any more information that I could find on it as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so I guess, um, so it, I was kind of looking, you know, just kind of beyond that. So that was, um, so yeah, so the ancient Greek mythology and then apparently kind of reappeared, uh, multiple times throughout the, you know, the 15th and 16th century folklore. Um, but yeah, so a- again, just kind of getting back to that. So we have him changing him into the wolf. So, and you had said that basically he was, it was like one and done sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so that being our first, at least, you know, maybe first account of right. a possible first version. Werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the um, transformation, the description of the transformation that like secures it as like, this is werewolf lore. Right. That because it is literally a human changing into, right. into a, a wolf. wolf. Like you said, his legs became, or what? His arms became his arms legs. Became legs. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which clothes and tatters, like it's pretty standard. It's pretty carried through to modern Mm -hmm. werewolf transformations, right? And then, yeah, then getting into the full moon, you know, that being you know common in today's, you know, common in today's like werewolf practice is during a full moon you have this this shift, this change in appearance, change in behavior, you know, whatever else. And so thinking that you know the the kind of uh, and it was quoted here. Uh, you know, full moons bringing out this animal inside sort of thing. Right. Yeah. You know, revealing basically, you know, a person revealing its true self in the middle of this, uh, this specific event, this yeah. full moon. Yeah. I mean, I think that probably has something to do with where I the think myth comes that from. That definitely does, for sure. Yep. I also found this super interesting thing where, like, we always hear about the witch trials. Right? Yeah. Like, but there were werewolf trials throughout history. Yeah. Like, so there are records throughout history of trials of confessed and accused werewolves. They were hunted, questioned, questioned, and executed in much the same way witches were, because witches were often accused of being lycanthropes. Like, witches, they were, you know, they'd get accused of, like, oh, she. Turn, I saw her turn into a bird, she or I saw her turn right, into, a, into something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. shape shifting yeah. was was a big, a big thing, right? Yeah. So there were also werewolf legends in Norse mythology, like you know, it's like two thousand miles away from Greece, and it's they're yeah. very similar and happening at the same time. Werewolf, like there was a legend about like a man and his son who found like. They found like these magical wolf pelts that if you wore them, you turned into a wolf. And huh, um, that's but you couldn't neat. take like it off idea. for you couldn't take it off for ten days. And like this, <laughs> the sun goes crazy and kills like ten or eleven people. And it, there's it's a whole thing, but like le- pretty legit werewolf mythology. 
happening right. almost the same time that it's going on in Greece, right? Okay. Um, now, where it gets super interesting for me, maybe I'm biased because we're from here, but North American werewolf legend. Basically, Europeans, when they came to North America, brought a lot of the the werewolf legends from Europe with them, right? Okay. And yeah. over time, that kind of blended with Native American legends of, like, the Wendigo. And yeah, that I that's where that. we... That's where we truly get the like modern version of a werewolf is that mixture okay. of the old European werewolf and the legends of the Wendigo. So, but at that point it's basically an infused story, right? right? Yeah. Which is what all so, stories become eventually. I mean, well, right. Of course. But I mean, you know, kind of infusing like these two different, uh, ideas into one. And then, you know, maybe it was to explain, you know these these things that yeah. were possible, possibly. So real. like the because the Euro, the original European werewolf was like basically it was typically said to have like human intelligence, okay. and it was basically trying to like there was this inner turmoil over like trying to figure out how to stop being a werewolf, right? Uh, and that makes the, sense. The Wendigo, okay. the Wendigo is. 100% bloodthirsty all the time. Always. Right? So when those two blended, you get this going back and forth between human and and your human intelligence and this viciousness. Right? And that's that's where we get the modern werewolves. And then we have that mixed with full moons bringing out, you know, this rage yep. uh, rage inside of inside of people and you yep. know, so yeah, I I I like that. I think that's uh you know that's that's a pretty cool theory as well. Now I just wanted to kind of retouch back on the um the the werewolf trials. Okay. Um so my question is, did they ever wait like wait, you know, put somebody on trial <laughs> just wait and wait until a full moon to see what happened? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. Those that trials would seem like are... to be the most, you know, like oh, you know, we might as well just see if if it actually right. happens. I like, think the werewolf trials were probably just as much bullshit as the witch trials, right? It was mostly well, I'm sure. probably yeah. like someone offended someone, and then they were like, "He's a werewolf." I mean, that's that's what ninety percent of the witch trials were. Yeah, just somebody pissed off at somebody, and oh, she's a witch. Yep. you know, exactly. so yeah, like okay. So, I yep. mean, especially in like today by today's standards, we would, I would like to think that we would wait. And at least wait sure. with some, you know, for some form of, you know, confirmation. Uh, of truth and confirmation to it yeah. before, like, you know, we like just to go and, you know, kill somebody or burn them or whatever else. Like, I don't know. Um, you see the you see the rage that the rages that happen on Twitter. And it makes me question whether people would wait 30 days to find out. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. Pretty, but that's you know, people that's, are pretty, that's a pretty common thing. Yeah. Modern people are pretty quick to crucify people. So True. True. I don't know. Okay, so side note, there are also significant werewolf legends in South America, Mexico, Germany, France, Ireland, Eastern Europe, and Slavic countries. Huh. So it's literally well, all over the world there are legends about werewolves. Word got around quick. Apparently. <laughs> Super quick. <laughs> 
okay. I mean, with that widespread, that that has to add some, you know, it has has to add some like form yeah. of, you know, it basically solidify the story a little bit more. Yeah, it lends you some know, credence to it. Absolutely, it does. It definitely does for sure. It's not like it was just thought up here, then a word spread, and you know, like. Yeah. Whatever else. If we're having like this here, this here, this there, you know, that there as well, all at the same time, I mean, you know, there there's gotta be some truth to it, at least. I mean, a lot of these myths were happening when people did not travel. I mean, these were time periods when people when people were born and died within a five mile radius and never left. Right. It. Oh yeah. I mean? For sure. That's yeah. So okay. So Halloween special, October special. We're going to discuss our five favorite werewolf movies. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. You have yours in any specific order? Uh, hang on. Let me double check. Let me double check here. Um, not really in any, actually, no, not in any order, <laughs> order at all. <laughs> all right. So, um, like I said, I just have kind of reasons uh, for why I've chosen what I've chosen. Okay. So you want to go first? Let's hear. Um, uh, do we want to do like the whole list, or we want to do like no. one and then one and then? Yeah, we'll just go okay. back and forth. All right, my first one: An American Werewolf in London. It's a classic, of course. Yes, it's a damn classic, and I don't think that I don't think there's anybody out there that would not have that on their top five list. Of course, it's a shoe in. Exactly, and, and I don't think the whole lot needs to be said about it. But yeah. I mean, um, it it holds up perfectly. It's I watched it a month ago, and it's just as good as when I watched it when I was thirteen. Oh yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. Fucking terrifying. It's, it's weird. Oh, without it's, a doubt, it was. Yeah, as a kid, that shit was frightening as fuck. Yeah, I mean, it's still scary. I'm thirty three. This is twenty years later after seeing it, and right, it's still scary, and it's weird as hell. I, there are things I appreciate about the movie now that I that I didn't understand didn't when I was quite, thirteen. And, right, for sure. Yeah, and it's it's so good. It's Definitely. very well done. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of that, the first one on my list is American Werewolf in Paris. That was my next one. Which right. is a terrible movie. It's so bad. Terrible music, terrible acting, terrible. terrible writing, everything about it's bad, but it holds a very special place in my heart because I went and saw Same. it with friends when I was very young, when it came out, I think in 97, I would have been like 10 years old. I went and saw it in the theaters. So the funny thing about that story is we actually went and saw it together. Yes. With a couple of our other friends. Yes. So that's the that's why it's number two on my list. Yeah, is it'll for uh, forever hold a special place, and I I actually liked it. Like I loved the shift, like what they did with the shift from like the human to werewolf, like was really cool. Like especially when it first happened, I think he was on a train. Yeah, um, you know, and it was just like a really cool scene. It just like especially seeing it as a kid, you know, and we we went and saw it at the theater, you know, like as as young kids, and I was like, yeah. man, that's really fucking neat. Like right? that was really cool. Um, yeah, you know, because so that'll I, always be one that definitely holds that place. I um, see. I couldn't remember if it was you who I went with. I knew, like, I remember, I remember one specific moment in the movie where the werewolf jumps out of a fountain. It's like a jump scare, 
where it like yeah. emerges from this big fountain. And I had sitting next to me, <clears throat> I had sitting next to me, you know, a girl that I had a crush on. Oh, I remember right? that girl. <laughs> I remember that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. it was, yep. And um, when like, when the werewolf jumped out of the fountain, she like grabbed my arm, you know? Pretty special yeah. moment for a 10-year-old boy. I mean, for, for a kid, yeah, that's like, especially a, a girl that you're crushing on, like, yeah, and I and I knew that you did hard at that point, you oh, know, yeah. and she lived very close by. Like, yep. um, yeah, it was it was one of those things. She she went with us, and yeah, yeah, I remember who was that. the fourth person with us. I want to say it was Brian. I, that's what I was thinking. Also, I think it was Brian. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yep, but I yep. might be wrong. We'll have to ask him. But yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was him. Then it was us, and then Shanda. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so, yeah, that movie will always be special to me, for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So your um, next one so was that movie, right? Was that one. So moving down my list, uh-huh. my next one is Ginger Snaps. Okay. So the first Ginger Snaps, a horrible movie. Yeah. And, and a horrible premise. Like, you know, one of the girls gets gets attacked, and then all of a sudden, like, this crazy shit starts to happen. Mm-hmm. But... You know, it's one of those that which actually the last couple kind of hold a special you know place uh, place to me. It was uh, actually the first time I ever watched it was with my dad. Um, okay. you know? and and we were just like, this is super cheesy, but it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it like to this day I, I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, you know, but it's one of the more notable ones that I always remember. I've seen it a couple of times. Um, I don't know if I could watch it at this point. It probably, I'd, I'd probably just wouldn't be able to make it through it. Yeah, um, I, rem- I remember. But one of the girls in it was also hot as fuck, so that sure. was also another reason. Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, I don't remember a lot about that movie, but I remember liking um, Ginger Snaps two better. I can't remember what happened to that one. I know they they did they made an entire series. Wasn't there a third one I, as well? Probably. I don't I'd have to. Yeah, I'd have to double check. But yeah, what year was that in the eighties or nineties? Um, that that came so out. So the original, what I I want to say. Hang on, let me let me go back to it. So I know there was. I believe it was a remake that they did in two thousand. Okay. Um, but because if on. it was like late eighties to mid nineties, that's like the time period when ever when you didn't put out a horror movie unless you planned on putting out seven of them. You know, it was right. Just- so, looking and okay. So, and actually, I think the original was two thousand. Really, it was um, that late. Yeah, and I, I was thinking it was earlier than that too. Me too. Uh, because yeah, I'm, I'm just even doing just like a quick search. Um, so, two thousand Canadian supernatural. Blah, yeah. blah. I mean, I guess I was early in high school when I first saw it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was one of those like. As I was like, you know, starting to starting to get a little bit older and appreciating, right. you know, shitty horror movies. Sure. I mean, I that was that was like the time that makes a lot of sense actually because that's like the time period of those like shitty teen movies. Oh yeah, that were coming they out were, when we were, they were big. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All those like can't hardly wait and all those movies. As a kid, I loved that movie. <laughs> sure, that's who it was for. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, 
on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it had a 90, 90% tomato meter and a 78% audience score. Wow. Which is surprising. Yeah, very surprising. That's, yeah. I, I didn't even check that before before even looking at this. So, I'm, yeah, that's actually pretty pretty impressive. I think American um, Werewolf yeah. in Paris' tomato score is like 3%. <laughs> um, I'm actually curious. Why it literally is in the sing- I'm pretty sure it's in the single digits. It is. Oh goodness! <laughs> it's seven percent tomato yep. meter, yeah, and a thirty percent audience score. That's I knew it. Insane for sure. Thirty percent of people who scored that from the audience saw it with a girl they had a crush on. Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> they it. probably didn't watch like. It's seventy five percent of the movie either. Exactly. Um so Okay, so moving on. The next one on my list is Wolfen. From I thought about that one. I yeah. thought about it. That's it, it is I'd like to say it's it's one of the better better uh older older ones for sure. Yeah. I mean it came out the same year as American Werewolf in London. 1981 the same year and it's in my opinion it might be just as good like you think so it's yeah it's like because it's like i went back and forth and didn't end up adding it to mine but yeah like for anyone who who isn't familiar with it it's kind of like half um police procedural half supernatural thriller and it like it takes place in new york and there's it like ties in native american culture to the to the werewolf mythos kind of and Which I always try to you know I just kind of think of those two kind of hand in hand a sure. little bit like yeah I mean the cool thing about that movie especially I rewatched it a couple weeks ago actually after we decided to do this episode I rewatched it and it's like there's a lot more to it than when I first saw it I was probably I don't know. My, I probably watched it with my dad when I was a kid for the first time. Yeah, he showed me all kinds of shit I probably shouldn't have seen. And <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. But rewatching it, I noticed there's like a whole undercurrent to the movie about like the plight of Native Americans trying to fit into modern society, and like yeah. there's a whole other side to the movie. But it's also just a really badass werewolf movie. A lot so. of you could definitely kind of just dismiss because of the main, I guess, premise of the movie, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really good, though. Edward James Olmos is in it. He's, you know, it's a super good movie. He's a, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, of in course. everything, for sure. Exactly. All right. So My next, next one. The Howling. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so the howling is another extremely classic one. Another, another one I watched at a, you know, at a, at a young age. Yep. Um, it, uh, came out in uh, 81. So it was yep, another one that same time period. There was yeah. a lot of, a lot of like werewolf movies that were really popular. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that was when it was like really kind of getting out there and kind of mainstream media. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, you know, with the premise of of this lady basically going into this uh, kind of mountain uh, mountain town mountain re- resort area, and then uh, you know you have like just these badass like it, uh, a lot of uh, the people around the area that are shifting into werewolves, and it's just this very kind of off putting, terrifying thing 
that's so fucking cool. And it was, like I said, another one just watching it as a young age, or at, yeah, at a young age. Um, another one, uh, my love for horrors came from my father, uh, you know, yep. so a lot of those will always hold a special place. And even my last one is like kind of the same story as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's another super classic one still holds up so fucking well. Yeah, it really does. Um, and definitely worth a watch. Yeah. No, sure. the howling is like everything a, a monster flick should be. It's scary it's weird it's unsettling it makes you uncomfortable so many times in that oh, movie yeah, exactly like yeah it's it's a great it's that's a great choice i actually ended up edging that the howling out of my list for the okay. more sentimental choices because right, like right. cinematically it's the howling is far superior to a lot of my choices here <laughs> i will, yeah, I no, will I, say I, that it's for being in and a lot of these early 80s ones Mm-hmm. were done so well and so like I mean just done to just give you that uneasy feeling and that like kind of terrified feeling and you know uh, I guess perce- or perception on these wolves that could trans you know like just yeah done extremely well and yeah. I can't I can't emphasize that enough agreed agreed okay so the next one on my list is actually the Wolf of Snow Hollow. So of, I don't know if I know that one actually. What is it's, that one? It's actually from last year. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, uh-huh. Hang on, I'm, I'm going to look this up just to make sure I, I okay. know what you're talking about. So of the Snow Wolf of Snow Hollow. Hollow. Yes, that is the one I was thinking of. It okay. reminds me of those early '80s werewolf movies because it's dark. It's right. you know the '80s mastered horror movies in my opinion because they don't show you the monster constantly yeah you know like modern horror movies have a really bad habit that anxiety and shit right yes modern horror movies i think you get used to seeing the monster and it's not scary anymore right right in the 80s you'd like you might be 45 minutes into the movie and you've seen like light shine off of half of its face once you know what i mean like Mm-hmm. And that's the way the Wolf of Snow Hollow is made. It's like it's it's legitimately scary. It's it's the best werewolf movie I've seen in a long time. Like best new one. Yeah. No. I. I yeah. That's uh. Like that. That was the one I was thinking of. Um. I don't think I've I've actually watched the full thing. Yeah. Um. I think I I had like started to check it out. Maybe gotten sidetracked or something. But uh, I'm gonna definitely have to re- retouch on it because you should, man. It's like, it's, if it's really, actually really that good. good. Then I'm yeah, I'm into checking it out. Yeah, I like I liked it a lot. So my last one, 1996, Bad Moon. Oh yeah. Um, and again, this is another sentimental one, and sure. and I, I think these these all were actually yeah. Um. You know, but it was another one uh, watching it as a kid. Like, it was creepy as fuck, but in like such a silly way. Yeah. Um, you know, you have you have this guy that was uh you know, bitten bitten by a werewolf, goes back to like live with his sister and um and her kid and stuff, and he's like living out of the camper. Uh but yet like just 
it's super silly. It's extremely cheesy. And the, uh, I, I'm going to say like not the graphics, but the, just the way that it's done. Yeah. It's just super, super silly. Like, I mean, even, even watching anything on it now, uh, is just, it, it's extremely cringy. Yeah. But like I said, in the best way. And that's what a lot of these to me are like, and I love that super like cringy, cheesy horror movie. Sure. Um, you know, just because, and especially like now, like I will watch any, especially anything that comes out just that's super overly done, very gory to the point of just being a comedy in a sense. Like, yep. you know, and that's what this was. It just, was almost a comedy because it was so fucking silly. Right. It's like absurdist so, horror. Extremely. Yeah. Like, and it was one, it was an extreme amount of it. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it was good though. You know, it was, it was fun. It was, it was a fun one. So. That would be my last... Yeah, that's my last one on my list. All right. I, my final one is The Wolfman. It's... It's another good one. Yeah. yeah. You know, Lon Chaney. Dude, my dad was a huge fan of, like, the Universal Monsters movies. So they were... Yeah. We watched all those growing up. And it's... it's a classic, for yes. sure. It's like the quintessential werewolf story, right? The gypsy putting the curse on him, like man it's it's not you're just like oh this guy got bit by a wolf and now he's you know yeah yeah it's it's so good i anyone who hasn't seen it just go see it yes it's black and white yes it's super old it's it's amazing the acting in it is good it's legitimately good (laughs) acting it it's is. another one though that's very cheesy and like poorly done, but sure. in the best way. I mean, at the time sure. though, those effects were fantastic. And you you oh, just I have mean, to yeah. put yourself in you know in the mind of a contemporary. You have to go and expect and not not expecting like modern day sure of course CGI and shit like that, right? Yeah, because these are all obviously they're all practical effects. They're all like mm-hmm. it's. And that's that's okay with me. It's it's a great story yeah. and it's told really well. So I don't I don't really care. What I agree. It looks it's like. it's another one. Being a classic, you know, it's it's not on my list just because, like I said, I mainly chose what just like have been near and dear to me. Yeah. Um, but as see, being the movie for itself is is fantastic and it's it's a must see for any any person that is into any type of werewolf related things any like, horror or monster um, movie fan who hasn't seen every single universal monsters movie should be ashamed of right. themselves i Go agree. watch it i agree 100 percent. yep because that's the foundation of all modern monster movies is those movies and this one actually so, is super sentimental to me because okay it, you know because those movies always remind me of my dad like he yeah. he had like even when I was a kid, he had like the little action figures of the Universal monsters, and like he I was, was going to say, they had some really cool figures too. Yeah, he was always really and still, into them. Like they they they've released updated figures that are still based on on yeah. all the modern ones or the uh, the original ones. Yep, and are really fucking cool. Yeah. Off topic, but my favorite Universal monster movie was always Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> that is a really good one, but yeah. I wanted to say. I extended my list a little bit. Not right. not uh, not movies, but I, I went a couple shows. Just because okay. I feel like one one in particular has been the best um 
like the best type of depiction of a werewolf that I've ever seen. Okay. That's um, a hefty claim. It is. And I have reasons to back this up. So it is actually, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's a Netflix original. Um, it's an older one. It's uh, Hemlock Grove. Yeah. It is beautiful. Everything, everything about it is beautiful. The first time that um, old boy transitions from a human to a werewolf, he starts literally shedding his skin. Like chunks of his skin are falling off. Like he like his entire body is like mangled and just torn apart and like his skin is just falling off into chunks and shit as he's like he's almost like molting into this this wolf. And like okay. by the end of it he's he's this disgusting disgusting wolf and he eats all of his like chunks of flesh that he molted off like <laughs> so fucking cool. And it's the best transition that I've ever seen. Out of, yeah, out of any, any type of like werewolf movie or anything. And that's why I felt it was very important to have that here. Also, it's just, it's really, it's a fantastic story. I mean, it's werewolves and vampires uh, and gypsies yeah. and, you know, everything else. Like, you know, you have a kind of sure. mixture of everything. Um, but like, it is the coolest transition for sure. Um, and so, nice. like I said, I felt I, I had to note that. Um, even though it's not a movie, but. Uh, to me, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Okay. Um, the other one is more modern. <laughs> yeah, I guess more modern. Uh, Teeny Boppin, uh, MTV's Teen Wolf TV show was surprisingly really good at the way that they like depicted wolves as well. Now, granted, okay. in this case, like they were kind of cheesier. You know, like you could have this this person on you know it's uh you know hind legs like walking straight up that basically had like a wolf face and claws and teeth and you know yeah, yeah. Uh, you had your alphas that had like what like the bright red eyes and stuff like that you know but it was yeah. a really really neat concept of how they did it kind of taking away from the cheesy 80s uh team wolf movie you know it's yeah. it's like that but to like an extreme higher degree and it's much dark um and i mean you know it's it is super cheesy i mean it's aimed at teens and stuff but it is actually really good Uh, yeah see teen wolf to me will always be like um was it archie meets teen wolf the comic book that's what it'll always be yeah i remember like when i first when i first went and hung out with my wife at her grandmother's house her grandmother was like really into Archie. She like collected Archie yeah. comics and stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. And Archie got super um, dark too, which was yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I sat down at her grandmother's dining room table and there in the middle of the table was Archie Meets Teen Wolf. That's super cool. And I remember cool. yeah, I remember sitting there like flipping through it waiting for waiting for Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, and that's that's always what I think of when I think of Teen Wolf. That's neat. So, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah. Like that's so random though. <laughs> yeah, it is. It just that's what always comes into my head when I think of Teen Wolf. Awesome. I mean, I like that. I know it's like I imagine it is cuz I haven't seen either of those shows to be honest. Hemlock Grove um, is one I highly recommend if you at least want to check it out. And not a not if only just for that scene, like do it. All right. 
If you if you watch the Wolf of Snow Hollow, then I'll I'll watch the transformation oh, I will get on scene it. at least, and I'll do that Grove. this week. You best believe. Is it. that in the first episode? The transformation. <laughs> um, I want to say it's in the first or the second episode. Like it's early on, okay. extremely early on. I think I can. I think I can make it through two episodes. I think if sure. you actually watch it, you will dig it because I the might, story is really fucking good, though. Like really good. What I was gonna say was, I fully expect. I I assume Teen Wolf is is cheesy but like yes, that's yeah. that's the premise right i mean that's what you expect that's what that's yeah. what it does and that's okay like cheesy is fine there's a lot of cheesy stuff that's good oh i agree i mean for sure yeah uh hemlock anyway, grove though the darkness and everything to it just yeah. really really like it makes it for sure and so it's okay. one like but once you get into like season season three gets fucking weird. Like think of like Mothman and shit. Yeah. You get into that in season three. They start um, adding in like cryptids late, and it's, stuff. It's either like late season two or early season three. Yeah. Um, but it, it just you gotta watch everything. Like it's it's so worth it. I promise. I have watched it multiple times. <laughs> That's how good it is. Okay. I just wanted to reiterate before we finish. American Werewolf in London was number one on my list. I just we talked about it together when it was on your list. So yeah, I just want to make yeah. sure everyone knows. that was <laughs> number one on my list as well. Yeah, yep, number one on my list, right there. Oh, so yeah. See, I put mine in order, and the best one was American Werewolf in London. So yeah, well, there we go. I think uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think our lists are pretty solid. Um, all really 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 great movies uh the one i will have to actually watch in its entirety and give you a uh my my general idea of it but like i said from what i have seen of it and like what i know of the premise of it um yeah i think uh, i think it'll be enjoyable for sure yeah i think you'll dig it all right and that concludes episode 15 the werewolf of javudan thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at reverbnation.com slash reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And and trust trust in the the unknown. unknown.